When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Hey, look, Judd is out of jail. He is back. Woo-hoo. Back from Chicago. Uh, jail. I was not incarcerated. Cook That's County? Not true. Cook County Cook County is very nice. The cops are very, very nice. Very cordial there. Were you guys figure skating at one point? Did we see those pictures? That was not figure skating. We were actually skating on ice the hockey. Ice dancing? Was, I, yeah, yes. Synchronized ice dancing. It was a lot of fun. You found me out. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? Deep to left field. A tower. This one in the third deck. All right, let's just get right into it. Uh, Mm -hmm. This is from the Star Tribune. Came out, I believe, yesterday. Phil Miller wrote this up, quoting General Manager Thad Levine. So Miguel Sano showed up yesterday and has the full clearance to work out with the team, recovering from the surgery. The Major League Baseball investigation of the assault charge has not yet concluded. I guess he's going to be the last one they interview, and they haven't interviewed him yet. But this is what... From the Star Tribune, yes. the Twins had to say about Miguel Sano, mm-hmm. who, by the way, was pushing 300 pounds last year. Jim Suhan wrote that article, I think it was last year. Yep. And it was like the Twins blogosphere and fans jumped down Jim's throat for 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 voicing criticism of Sano for not maintaining a weight and for maybe leaving himself susceptible to uh, more strikeouts or injuries, had, whatever. Maybe. had gained weight throughout the course of the year, which of course is a concern since when you show up at spring training, you think to yourself, okay, he's in halfway decent shape. And then he kept getting fatter as the season went along. Here it is. Sano has been given medical clearance to engage in all baseball workouts with his teammates. His surgically reinforced left shin now completely healed. The twins intend to lighten his schedule to prevent any new injuries. They'd like to lighten something else too. His, quote, generous carriage, as GM Thad Levine delicately put it last week. Sano's conditioning, understandably lags, after a winter largely spent incapacitated by the surgery. The twins say that'll require a dedication to improving his physical condition. Sano grew heavier as the season went on last year, and the surgery prevented him from bringing his weight down this winter. Quote from Derek Falvey, no way around it. He went a period of time where he was immobilized. So he was immobile all winter, couldn't move, bed rest for several months. Um, he couldn't order a salad with some vinaigrette. Like he couldn't, he couldn't. How about some bite squad, I a would, chicken breast would, and some broccoli? I would highly doubt having covered uh, sports for a long time too, that, that he had the surgery and then was told, go eat and lay down for months. Don't do anything like the, to like help your protocol, physical condition. The protocol now is you have the surgery and then pretty much as quick as possible, they start trying to get you to do stuff so you don't get really fat and out of shape. 
Uh, it's too bad there aren't nutritionists that can help right. athletes who make a lot Here, of money stay lean during the offseason. Here's, here's where, because this is maddening to me. This is maddening because we've been going through this year after year. And here's where I'm, I'm going to start. I'm going to start with the Twins. What the hell is going on here? This is a huge investment, literally and truly for your future. Well, this is a potential, yeah. and right now it's Financially, a, it isn't yet, yes, but it, what it will but be. But this is a huge potential investment for you. Why the hell do you not have somebody follow him, him around as much? I mean, he had surgery. He had surgery, at least in football. That ordinarily means you convince the guy to come back to your town as quickly as possible to do his therapy, right? Like, the last thing I saw was he had to make a quick trip home to go hang with his buddy, his coach, Fernando Tatis. Yeah, that guy hit two grand slams in one inning one time, okay? He's a great influence. What's going on here? Why does the team, I mean, if this was some just slappy shortstop who was fourth string and just got fat as a cow and you didn't care, I'd be like, that's fine. (laughs) But this is Miguel Bleepin' Sano, and this is not new. It's not like, oh man, he, he kept himself in shape until 2018 when he had the surgery and got fat. This is a problem that you've known about for a long time. Why? Why is this so easy to lose track? And then you, and then he comes in, and you're like, "Well, he's heavy again." So here's the thing: I disagree with you because I don't think if if you're a top, highly motivated, highly skilled professional athlete, you shouldn't need the team to force you to stay in shape or to force you to eat better and to have a nutritionist, whatever whatever it takes uh, to get yourself does. into top but shape. He does. Okay, but if that's if you need to force, then then the answer is clear. If you if you feel like well this guy's not self motivated so we have to force him to do this or force him to have somebody with him mm-hmm. then the conversation is over to me uh, I mean then you like the first opportunity you get to trade and then you trade him and I think I think my biggest annoyance here is people keep defending him because well he's only twenty two he's only twenty three he's only, every year right he's only twenty two he's only twenty he's gonna be twenty five here in about two months so he's a he's an adult it's time to be an adult off the field by the way first and foremost. And it's time to be an adult in all and a ways. grown man yes. as a professional athlete. And, and I think what annoys me the most is not only people defending him because, well, he's young. Okay, Bryce Harper is like 20. Or what is he now? He's probably 23 now. Mike Trout, those guys are in peak physical condition. They hit bombs all over the place. They're winning MVP awards. Miguel Sano coming up from age 16 through 20. The comparisons were Miguel Cabrera. He's the next Miguel Cabrera. He'd be lucky at this point if he became the next Adam Dunn. He's got work to do before he can become a guy who's at least on the field 160 games a year, which, by the way, Adam Dunn was for all but like four seasons. Uh, and a guy who, if he, if he maintains this 280 to 300-pound frame, won't be playing third base for much more than half the season and won't be staying healthy on the field. And if his most prolific skill set is power, yeah, but he hits home runs. The guy hits bombs, and you can't right. you can't you can't abort mission on a guy who hits bombs. Everybody in Listen, the league hits bombs. It's 2000. Eduardo Escobar I hit 20 that. bombs last year. But but everybody listen to me very clearly because I don't want a bunch of people. Look, we all gain weight out there, okay, folks. So if you're like me and, and you're a bit of a fatty yourself, don't defend to know because you're thinking, well, I can't keep my, my weight down, so this isn't his fault. What I'm saying is. This is this to me is the equivalent of a football lineman. A lot of whom gain a lot of weight and gain, can get really fat. And the teams in those uh, cases take a very proactive stance towards making sure that if they find this player to be worth the investment, which I would guess the Twins think about Sano, that they do something about it. The sad thing here is he clearly doesn't get it, and he clearly doesn't care, Phil. And he's gotten to the point now where I'm. I think we're all on the same page here. 
if you could have gotten a top-line starting pitcher for him in the past few months and you didn't do it, you should have. But that being said, if this is your guy, if you really maintain we are going to develop him, then have a plan here. This, this, this drives me nuts that these guys go home, they come back at Twins Fest and spring training, and they're fat, and you're surprised? I mean, we shouldn't be talking. I don't think it happens to many guys. I no, think no, it's no, Miguel but, Sano. But my, point, but my point is it continue. It's happened with Vargas, who's not as important, clearly. It's happened with Sano. But my point is the fact that we're talking about conditioning, the fact that he gets to Florida and we're now saying, well, it's a conditioning thing, and he, he had surgery is ridiculous. It's absolutely stupid because this is your investment. This is a player who could play an incredibly important part in your future. So to have him show up, I don't care if it's surgery or not, and have this come back to conditioning again, is inexcusable on all sides. But you know who, the guys that you have to worry about conditioning with are guys like Sean Kemp, Antoine Walker, uh, you know, guy. I mean, you could pick out a handful of athletes uh, in, in every sport. You don't have to worry about it with the Michael Jordans, the Kobe Bryants, the Bryce Harpers. The Nationals aren't worried that even if he has offseason surgery, that like a Mike Trout's going to come back 40 pounds heavier than listed. Mm-hmm. That's not an issue for mm-hmm. self-motivated, driven, and I wish he was, but he's not. Performers. But he's not. And if so that's do the case, something about it. But Judd, that's where I. I'm not going to fight you on this because we're 90% lockstep. If he's not self-motivated, and if he's not. If he doesn't take enough pride in his own legacy or his own career at this point to put in the work that's needed, either nutrition-wise during the season, off-season, then there's like then if you're the Twins, like you're not going to be able to force it on him. It's not going to happen. Um, and, I, and I would add this to the conversation too. Let's get it like away from the weight thing for a second, just from an on-the-field perspective. Mm-hmm. All right, the most productive offensive players in baseball, so the Mike Trout's, the Joey Votto's, the Josh Donaldson's. Bryce Harper's, they strike out half as much as Miguel Sano. Now, whether you think weight contributes to that, I think it does. I think if you're in better physical condition, I just think you're probably you're probably more agile. You're probably it, it probably helps for sure helps you at third base, and I think it probably oh, helps field, you at yeah. the plate as well. In the field, it does. Um, for sure. But but like just from an offensive perspective, there's no chance he'll ever be in that category, striking out as often as he does. And since he came in the league, no hitter strikes out a higher percentage of the time than Miguel Sano. So I think we're just to the point now where he's been in the league for three years. He's 25 years old. He doesn't deserve a free pass. We we both agree on that, obviously. That. Yes. He doesn't deserve a free pass. He, he does not. And and the Twins are going to ha- have to realize, though, that if, uh, if Sano is going to stay on this course, their issue is this. Every year, his potential value now is going to decrease because as teams see this more and more, unless you can get one team to think, well, we can fix him, you're going to get into a situation where teams are going to say he can hit lots of home runs, but he doesn't give a damn about his profession that yeah. much. He does still have a chance. I mean, it's 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 up to him. But he still has a chance to be, for the next 10 years, one of the best players in baseball until he's 34 or 35 years old. He's skilled enough to do it. I mean, even with the injuries and the weight issues, you see the natural power. You see the hitting ability. You see the eye yeah. at the plate when he wants it. So it's on him. It's on him. A lot of people are in my timeline this morning saying, is is he basically like the, the Twins version of Andrew Wiggins where there's all this potential, but whether it's kind of a lackadaisical attitude or... Uh, you know, maybe you've never had to work beyond just outskilling people throughout your career. 
Yeah, there's a little bit of... I mean, you don't have to worry about Wiggins showing up overweight. In fact, Wiggins, I think, has walked by the weight room a thousand times yeah. in the last three years. He should... He should work on putting on 20 pounds. It's a frustrating problem. I think I think the problems are different, and I think Sano's biggest problem is this. he do, He's not growing up at, at all as far as maturity goes, and it's maddening to watch, but come on. I mean, this is this should not be to excuse this as, well, he's fat, but surgery, you know what? There have been a ton of guys who have had significant off-season off surgeries done, and guess what? They rehab a lot to get in shape. Yeah. They don't. They don't come in and say, "Well, I had to sit there and eat bonbons. It's not my fault." No, that is your fault. And real quick, we're going to move on to something else here. But think about this. And and Hal with a great point on Twitter here. I'd like to think if I were making six hundred thousand dollars with the potential to get to maybe twenty million dollars or more, I'd have my weight figured out. I mean, could you imagine? Yes, that's, yes. Hey, Judd, like you're you're having a pretty good start to your radio career here the last couple of years. But uh, if you do this and this, if you can just get down. Like thirty pounds, you'll be a better peak performer. Now nah, you know, and, and by the way, you'll uh, you'll make ten times the money or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Well, more on this later. Ding, ding. With six minutes left in the second half, the Badgers win on a twenty-two to five run, including overtime, and they're going to pull away with a ten-point win in overtime. <laughs> So we haven't done a whole lot of go for basketball on this show because they haven't done a whole lot of winning yeah. or playing well. Yeah, the season went off the rails long ago. But That was quite the bedwetting last night. They were up by three points with about 10 seconds to go and a free throw in hand. Yeah. And they wind up going to overtime and getting smoked. And I, my one takeaway from the game is, like, Nate Mason, Nate Mason has, uh, like, his shooting percentage is down, but... I watch him the last four years. He's a senior. Mm-hmm. He's not the perfect point guard. He's not Bobby Jackson from the late 90s, but he's definitely one of the two or three best point guards we've seen in 20 or 30 years of go for basketball lately. And I just feel like he had the one pop-up year where the, where the team was was right around him. You're going to wind up watching a really nondescript period of go for basketball go by with one of the better point guards they've had in 20 or 30 years. It just feels like such a waste. I've said this before, but to me, this season, as far as in-season meltdowns, ranks as one of the greatest disappointments to me in sports in this town. Just when you go from the expectation of what was, what started off, and now, as you said probably a month ago, they aren't going to make the NIT. And that Wisconsin team that you played last night is not very good. The Big Ten has about four, I think four or five decent teams, good to decent teams, and that's it. But that loss last night, when you're up by that many points with that little time left, is absolutely ridiculous. But it's not surprising. It's not surprising. And this has been, this coming unglued and this meltdown has taken me from thinking this is a really fun team and it's going to be a fun year to absolutely dreading the times that I I do duck in on Gopher basketball, and that's become less and less in about the past month. I forgot they were on and then realized, oh, like, people are tweeting about Gopher basketball. So I tuned in for the second half, and they maintained, you know, seven-point lead, eight-point lead, down to five, back up to seven, and they just, they have so many guys on the court that have no business playing in a late, even even against a team that's down like Wisconsin for the first time in 20 years that they won't finish inside the top four in conference. Yes. Uh, it was uh, it was an impressive bedwetting. Let's come back. Uh, Collar was in yesterday just fighting with callers and emailers. It was very entertaining. So we'll talk some more Vikings offseason here. Uh, Judd's back from Chicago after a week of skating and romance. Oh, Wrigley Field. It was Pippins. great. Did you guys wow. go to a Blackhawks game? Uh, no. No. Uh, the Blackhawks stink. 
And I checked out prices, and I said, "Do I really that much worse than the wild?" Between the two of us, do I really want to spend three hundred plus dollars to go to a Blackhawks game? And so I skipped it. Wow. Well, that's unfortunate for Dave. Looks like Dave lost a point right there. We were going to go on the Saturday. You we were going to go. We were going to go on Saturday. Oh come on! Don't tell me that. Dave had it nailed. I had it nailed. Cocks and caps. You couldn't miss Ovechkin. I did. I Grade eight. I said, in fact, you know what? The wife said to me on Saturday, she said, we should go because no! you're going to be disappointed. And I said, I ain't spending 300 plus dollars to go see the Blackhawks play. We'll just go I'm out to eat. I'm leaving. See, I did lose. Don't, don't I did it. The Mackie and Judd show rolls on. All right, bring it in. We all ready? On 1500 ESPN. Deep to left field. A towering blast. This one in the third deck. I mean, his his body weight is more of a football player than a baseball player, Miguel Sano, who, according to various reports, and now even, like, the front office guys aren't even defending him anymore. They're saying, yeah, he has a generous carriage, as Thad Levine put it last week. But, you know, he was immobile all off season, So, I mean, the guy couldn't even bother to eat healthy, apparently. So Collar's same. in here. Listen, same, I don't know how, how Collar doesn't weigh about 400 pounds eating Taco Bell and sour cream Metabolism, chip dip every baby. day. Seen it before. It's amazing. Not me. I've seen it from what people. Are you, you should share your secrets with Miguel. Uh, my secret is that I used to live in a place that had the best chicken wings on earth. Now I live in Minnesota, so wow. I don't eat as many chicken wings, and my body has adjusted. And pizza, too. Yeah, you you ripped the wings and pizza here on a consistent basis and said they both stink. Well, just compared, compared to Buffalo, I'm sure yeah. the wings, yeah. you know, that's okay. Just it, say it. it could it could be improved. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that there. I have not eaten at every wing place and pizza place in Minnesota. I have just yet. To I think found, Miguel has. Let you me refer you. Right. Yeah, right. Yeah, to I, Red Cow and Red Rabbit is the two places that you should check out. I don't think they have wings at those places, do they? No, but they have but they're great, very good. But I, they've got some Zaz, I think, and there's good stuff. Um, in fact, if you want to uh, recommend Matthew Collar some pizza and wing places that he hasn't tried yet, we'll Feel take free. the Send suggestion boxes open. So, do you think before we get into football-y football things and Vikings offseason, uh, you've done in your past? You have, in addition to hockey analytics, you've been minor league baseball play-by-play. You've talked to scouts a lot. Do you think Judd and I are overreacting to a 25-year-old Miguel Sano? Constantly being overweight and not having what appears to be that full-on Kobe Bryant-like passion for his craft. Uh, no, I don't think so at all. And I, I think when you combine that with what he was accused of uh, also, and, and you start to put together your body of work on Miguel Sano, you start to see a player that for a very long time has only shown spurts of really truly caring about his craft. And on paper, I would also look at him and say, well, you know, I mean, this guy profiles a lot like Chris Carter. He, he does not profile like a superstar third baseman who's going to hit 275 with a 400 on base percentage and consistently hit 30 to 40 home runs. He looks much more like Mark Reynolds. He's going to strike out all the time and will occasionally be great for you, but then occasionally be terrible for you and is very replaceable. 
it, it it's kind of like my approach. I, I'm in a Stratomatic league. I'm sure that shocks you. Well, that's um, old school. Yeah, yeah, but there's a you can play it on the computer now. So yeah. there's there's ten guys who are in a league, and it's just National League only. You you draft and you have a team. So I've had a team. You for make about, me look cool. Yeah, I know. You're for about five years. But what I God bless you. What I noticed though is anytime you have a great first baseman, and I do not look at Miguel Sano as a long term third baseman. So anytime you have a first baseman. You want to try to trade it to somebody because you'll get one. Like somebody you don't have to spend $20 million dollars yeah. on a first baseman unless it's you know top five Jason Giambi in his prime caliber. Like in all seriousness, what not. did Mark Reynolds do last year? Uh, so I actually have the last three years. I, I, I went back to and took Miguel's rookie season, too. So the last three years of every qualified hitter in baseball in front of me right now, he's number one in strikeout rate, yeah. like the bad number one, meaning no one strikes out more than he does. He strikes out in 36% of his plate appearances. Now, if you're looking to be in the MVP caliber bin for the next 10 years, which is what I think people were hoping and what the Twins were hoping when you saw the the damage he was doing in the minor leagues, you have to be among the league leaders in average, on-base percentage. That's how you drive in more runs. It's it, If you get on base at a 400 clip instead of a 350 clip, that's the difference between a lot of runs created yeah. over the course of a full year and multiple years. You can't it's not possible to be among the league leaders in on-base percentage, and he's not, if you're striking out that often. So I, I agree that we probably overreact historically in baseball to strikeouts to some degree, but that there's a line somewhere. And if you look at the list of highest strikeout rates in baseball the last three years, the guys behind him are, and you nailed one of them, Mike Zanino, who is just a strikeout or home run catcher mm-hmm. for Seattle, Chris Davis, I think he's in that Chris Davis category where you could the prolific power is there. Um, the defensive value is not really, especially mm-hmm. if he sticks at third base. Chris Carter is fourth. Steven Souza, Colby Rasmus, uh, Brandon Moss. Let's see here. I'm looking Mark for guys Reynolds who have power. actually cut him down. He Mark Reynolds is 17. On, yeah, 175. <laughs> yeah, Chris Davis. Year. So if if you're looking but, for a guy who hits 240 or 250 on an annual basis and doesn't really have a premium defensive position and hits home runs, you can find those guys on the free agent but, market, like Mike Napoli a couple of years ago right. for 10 million dollars. But this this the frustrating thing about having to have this conversation over and over and over again is this: the conversation is the potential is there. And the wasted potential is a shame. And the Twins can see that, but they clearly can't stop it. And Sano either can't see it, doesn't care. I mean, this is this to me is like, because it's a common problem in football, Collar, this to me is is like a football player who can't contain his weight, right? And so that's why teams put these guys, they give them incentive clauses to try and stay as thin as possible. And they try and get them to, to stay in town uh you know, for long periods of time so that they can go to the facility and work out. It's because the potential being wasted here is what's so sad. Mm -hmm. And this isn't one year of this. This is, what, three years now? And so you see this over and over and over, and it gets to the point where where you just want somebody to say, "If if the kid, if the light went off in the kid's head for a second here, you're talking about a potentially really, really good player, and now we're, we're having conversations about basically guys who strike out a lot and hit some home runs. And, and this is where you have to be able to spot that as an organization and move a guy, even though there's a risk you could end up looking bad. That some of these where they trade a guy for issues, 
They don't end up turning out. But a lot of times, if you could spot that before, Colby Rasmus is a great example. So when I was doing minor league baseball, the team I was doing it for was a part of the Cardinals organization. I was at the pretty bottom rung. But um, Jeff Lunau would show up from time to time. He's the GM of the Astros now, right? So he would show up from time to time. And so I would you know, hear different things from scouts who would come in. And that was the year that the Cardinals traded Colby Rasmus for Edwin Jackson. And there were other parts, too. And the baseball world, especially the analytics people, were like, Edwin Jackson, you're trading away Colby Rasmus. He was a top draft pick. He was a top, all this stuff. And a few scouts said to me, he's the dumbest guy ever. He's not getting any better. He is not an intelligent player. He is a slob. Like he, He's just going to frustrate the heck out of this organization. And they're, they're ready to move on from him because he was whining about not playing enough or wherever else yeah. and just get any pitcher you can as long as he goes away. And if you look at his career since, he's done nothing. I mean, he had a, a few years where he was just kind of a guy. But other than that, I mean, he is nowhere close to the star potential that he showed. Yeah. So they dealt him while somebody else still thought, oh, wow, we're getting this superstar player. Turns out he's a total moron and P- P- it didn't work out. Yes. To, to piggyback off that, people get so enamored with power specifically home runs, and and think that that's the be-all, end-all to being a valuable player. And it's why for 10 years in this town, until he went to first base and production dipped off, although he kind of bounced back last year, people underappreciated Joe Maurer because he's six foot four. Mm-hmm. His frame would suggest that he should hit a lot of home runs. He did for one year when he won the MVP in 2009. And granted, like most guys who are six foot four and that big probably swing a little harder and probably swing for the fences more and profile differently. Should or could he have hit more home runs? I'm sure if he had if he had decided at some point in his career to hit more home runs, he probably could have. But he's he's had back issues and knee issues, and he decided, I'm going to go sweet swinging opposite way, and I'm going to lead the league for years in on-base percentage and win batting titles, and I'm going to be more of a Tony Gwynn-type hitter, Wade Boggs, than a power hitter. That's more valuable if you're getting on-base 40% of the time than a Kevin Mensch who might hit 25 <laughs> or 30 bombs but doesn't get on-base. In fact... Uh, I mean, you could go, there, there's a bunch of great resources that show getting on base is almost twice as important to run creation in the long run as power. Mm. And, um, and and to take that a step further, I did a study for when I covered the Twins beat like two or three years ago. This is probably five years ago now. I went back and looked at the last 15 teams to lead the major leagues in runs scored. And then side by side, where did they rank in on base percentage and where did they rank in home runs or slugging? Mm-hmm. And... Almost all the time, the teams that scored the most runs were number one or number two in baseball in on-base percentage, and only like once or twice did they lead the major leagues in home runs. The Giants actually won a World Series, ranking dead last in home runs hit Mm -hmm. offensively. So to bring this back to Miguel Sano and full circle, people get so hung up on home runs, they don't look at the bigger picture of run creation and the ability to get on base, to put the ball in play, and the ability to, uh, to draw walks and things of that nature. So... 2017, 2018 Major League Baseball offensive climate, home runs are through the roof. No longer is hitting a home run this premium skill set that you can't come by. Mm-hmm. If that's your only if hitting home runs is your only claim to being a valuable offensive player, that's less valuable now than it's ever been in the history of baseball. I need more from you. The really unfortunate part about Sano is I believe he could be a four hundred on base guy. I mean, he terrifies opposing pitchers. Oh, definitely, yes. And you see it from the way that they go about 
facing him. And as long as he's not swinging at garbage that's completely out of the zone or looking like he's mailing in an at-bat, if he's dialed in for every single at-bat, which I know is extremely difficult over a long period of time, but if he was able to do that and battled every single at-bat, then he would have a 400 on-base percentage, but he really doesn't. You know, it, it, it's sort of interesting when... I was looking at this from an outside perspective when I did not live here. When you guys interviewed me for this job, I told you we were just talking about stuff that I would trade Sano at that time. Yeah, I remember that. Because I thought he's not a third baseman. He's going to be overvalued, that same sort of thing. But the one thing that I didn't know about uh, this market was how many people criticized Joe Maurer. I thought the Joe Maurer situation was just unfortunate that his game had gone down because of the injuries. No, people after... criticized him when he was hitting 320 yeah, and getting on base. Yeah. Snow gets a huge pass, which is which yeah. is really weird. That, that is weird because uh, Joe Maurer, to play that position, was one of the three best players at that position in the entire league. And, and his, uh, I think his intelligence, too, behind the plate and his pitch calling, you saw a lot of mediocre pitchers, not superstar names, yeah. have good seasons. And I value that hugely with baseball for how much a catcher impacts his pitchers by simply his pitch calling and his dedication, his approach. I mean, uh, I I can't remember who the catcher was on ESPN radio. This was a a while ago, but I remember there was a catcher they were talking to about pre-scouting and all the data they look at and all the things that the catcher has to be the first guy there to put together an entire game plan against the team where ever you know some other He's guys like an assistant play coach yeah. yeah right and, and so they work with their catching coach and every, or whoever it might be and uh, it, there's a lot of dedication and detail that goes into just pitch calling and what you're going to do there and that's one of the things that will never truly be quantified by analytics. Although if you look at the best example I can find is Yadier Molina throughout his career takes away a half a run per nine innings with all sorts of different pitching staffs, with great pitchers, with terrible pitchers, relievers, starters. He catches every inning and the league average during his season is a half a run higher than when he's catching which to me will show you over a gigantic sample, this guy was literally stealing runs by calling pitches behind the plate. I think that Joe Maurer did that same thing, and when they had other catchers come through, you didn't really see that effect. And I'm not sure about Jason Castro. I think you probably need a bigger sample there. But the point just being that Maurer being criticized for not hitting enough dingers Considering the value he was bringing to the organization, yeah. how much they won during that time, complete it, it was asinine. Yeah, yes. it's just nuts. Yes, um, let's do uh, Billy. We'll get to your phone call here, and we can get into some Vikings offseason stuff. USA Today actually has a really interesting article from I believe this is from yesterday, ranking every NFL team by their ability to get better this offseason. Where do the Vikings fall? Mackie and Judd, Matthew Collar hanging out. Judd's back from Chicago here in the TCL broadcast studios. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. It's heard by well over 100 people. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Mackey and Judd's press coverage. Mackey and Judd's cover two. Mackey and Judd's pooch kick. Matthew Collar hanging out with us. Judd, he basically spent the entire show yesterday fighting with callers and emailers and Twitter followers. Teddy Bridgewater, Case Keenum. So where, We're still fending off emails from people. Where does the consensus land right now among callers? 
and e- emailers and people on Twitter. I can't Does it figure land it out. on Keenum? Does it land on? I think I mean, cousins. I think cousins is probably number one. I think it definitely and then doesn't. Ke- Keenum probably number two. I think it definitely d- does not land on Teddy right now. Although, of course, if Teddy comes back and plays well, people will flop right back to Teddy. Um, I did see that the report though that came out. I think via the New York Post and ESPN, possibly though. And you knew this was going to happen. There would be a report that, that the New York Jets, yes. being the team, are prepared to guarantee Kirk Cousins' entire contract. And here's the scary thing: I believe it. And I, I believe yeah. the phrasing in one. I think Florio had the phrasing "whatever it takes." Yeah, yeah. they'll yeah. do but, whatever but, it takes. But when we when we had this discussion two <laughs> two weeks back about this, I said that somebody is going to come along and do something that's just. Incredibly stupid. Mm-hmm. And if you guarantee this man's entire contract, I mean, you're talking a guarantee of what? A hundred million dollars, possibly? Yeah. Uh, certainly north of 95. You're absolutely crazy. And if I'm the Vikings, I'm saying, see y'all later because I'm not getting involved in this game. There's no way that I guarantee Kirk Cousins' entire contract. Well, well what is? So let's start with Kyler on this. What for, for Kirk Cousins, who really is like the sure thing of all the options. Mm-hmm. Not like Tom Brady sure thing or Aaron Rodgers sure thing, but you know that he's going to give you something. He's going to play. Uh, he can throw four yards. There's a, there's question marks, and there's definitely a lot of bad interceptions. But as the chips start to get sprinkled in the middle of the table here by the Jets and the Broncos are going to have interest, and I'm sure Arizona, there's probably going to be four or five teams that are going to be you know, serious about Kirk Cousins. Where do you start to draw the average annual value line? If Matthew Stafford in a cap league is the well, Garoppolo now, they're both making 27, 27 and a half million in a cap league. And then you're talking guaranteed money. Let's say it's $100 million guaranteed. Well, that's at least three years of guaranteed money. So, like, where do you start to draw that line, Matthew? The peak of Matthew Stafford's contract for cap hit is $31 million. And that would be where I would guess Kirk Cousins ends up for his cap hit. How much is guaranteed? That's very difficult to to figure out where how it would end up playing out with the, the salary cap. Like how how would you finagle that? Is it more guaranteed in this year or that year or do they, you know, work it I don't know. I mean, they can do anything with the salary cap. That's why it sort of exists, but in a lot of ways I go you know, if you want somebody, you can make sure that you get them. Sure. Um, but anyway, I mean, fully guaranteeing it would be crazy um, and would be really surprising because nobody has done anything like that. But the Alex Smith deal is almost fully guaranteed. If those terms were correct, it was 74 out of 91 million, yeah. I think. And that was really the holdup between Washington and Kirk Cousins is that Washington wanted to guarantee somewhere around half of the deal or less than half of the deal, and he thought he could do better on the open market. He's probably going to be right. If you're the Vikings, you can afford Kirk Cousins, and you can also re-sign Daniil Hunter, Stephon Diggs, Eric Hendricks, and Anthony Barr. I fully believe that you can do that and fit that under the salary cap without a huge issue because the Vikings are genius at dealing with the salary cap. It's really whether you want to lock yourself into him for a long period of time and whether you believe that he can really get you over the hump to the Super Bowl. And that is the conversation with any quarterback that you're talking about is not just could we be successful and competitive and relevant because with Kirk Cousins, I totally believe you will be. It's just 
will you win in the playoffs with this guy? Like, is, is he going to beat the other top quarterbacks? If you have to play against Aaron Rodgers, will you win that game? And Kirk Cousins hasn't shown that he really can win those games. And uh, there was a really good film breakdown by Doug Farrar from Bleacher Report who found a lot of the same. We watched the same tape. So a lot of the same things where when it would be a big situation and defenses would play in their deep zones and things like that, that he would have some trouble when it came to processing or being as patient as he needed to be or just that, that little tick off at times. And a lot of his numbers have been schemed up. I mean, he through his three years, he's one of the best in the league, like the very, very top at play action, which play action has a lot more to do. We saw it last year with Case Keenum, a lot more to do with your scheme. You're often throwing to wide open guys who run after the catch when it comes to play action. And, and so, I mean, some of the better quarterbacks don't have great play action numbers if their scheme isn't that good or their team struggles at times. And so you're, you'd have to do the same thing with him here. He would have a very good supporting cast, though. And he would probably have a bright offensive mind in John D. Filippo who could get a lot of the same things out of him. It's just, do they really believe that over a five-year period with him that you can actually win the Super Bowl? And I'm not sure that they do. I think the, the issue, though, is if the Jets come along and, and guarantee the entire deal, teams are going to say, no yeah, way. Yeah, that, that's it's right. Just that's because right. because you're, you're not only guaranteeing, you're not only doing something that uh, previously I don't believe has been done, but you're also setting precedent, and I don't think if you're the Vikings, you're that team probably. Well, you know, actually, just to, to loop in this USA Today article, so it's it takes a combination of your cap space and then your draft value. So how many draft picks do you have, how high are you drafting, and all those things, and kind of lumps them together in a composite score. And the Vikings are actually 11th, even though they, they draft so far down and they're not you know blessed with nearly as much cap room as the Browns or the Niners or the Jets, but they're 11th in the ranking of how can you – improve your team this offseason and this is you know even more evidence that the NFL is uh the the NFL is is very friendly to teams that are bad you're going to draft high and you generally have a lot of cap room because you don't have a bunch of good players knocking on your door to mm-hmm. play for you so it goes Browns Niners Jets Colts Buccaneers Texans Bears Bills Titans at the top of this list and the teams that are going to have the hardest time improving their team because of lack of cap space and you know drafting late or fewer draft picks Eagles, Steelers, Seahawks, Patriots, Falcons, Chiefs, yeah, Ravens. So yeah. all the winners had to pay people. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. so the more I look at this, and the more I see the quarterback-starved teams, um, and then start to like categorize them as a team that's going to go the draft route, like the Giants. You can start to take two or three teams off the board when it comes to Kirk Cousins, Cleveland Browns, the New York Jets are about the only team I think that would be ahead of the Vikings. And only because they can offer more money if they yes. want to to Kirk Cousins. I would put them at number one because of that. And Joe Thomas had an interesting rant on Twitter yesterday just talking about like Cousins saying that he wants to go to a team that's going to win. And he was like, uh, okay, I mean, that's great. But if you're talking about the difference of $25 million right. between going to the Vikings, guaranteed, or going because Thomas wants him to go to the Cleveland Browns, naturally, on his podcast, which I listen to, he's been saying, you know, come on, Kirk Cousins, you got to come here. He's been tweeting at him and things like that. It, it's unusually warm in Cleveland. So he was tweeting like, look, it's great here in the weather in the offseason. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's been very funny, but he's Don't got- send Kirk Cousins any pictures of yesterday or today in <laughs> yeah, the Twin Cities. Not pretty. Um, we've reached the just brown and gross period of the 
winter. Buckle up. It's yeah. at least another month. Yeah, yeah. It's just just the yuck period. But um, when it, if you were talking about the Vikings trying to offer him something reasonable versus a Cleveland or New York Jets that offers him something totally unreasonable, like guaranteeing the whole deal, I mean, sorry, man, that's just way too much of a gap to worry about whether you're going to go win this year with the Vikings. Yes. And those two teams both have the potential to be contenders. The Jets are, you know, I mean, the Browns have a good setup going, and it appears that they have hired somebody who's competent now in the front office. It's just well, whether, John Dorsey, yeah, he's, yeah, he's actually pretty yes, good. It's just yes. whether they have this absurd battle of analytics or not, because that uh, that can just but that's done split now, right? Team, it, I mean, it that's wiped out. I thought. Well, one thing that happens sometimes, Phil, I'm sure you've seen this happen in baseball, and it's happened. I know for sure it's happened in hockey with the Florida Panthers. A team will be like. We are all analytics, analytics all the time. Interview us about our analytics. We'd love to tell you. And then they stink for a year and they're like, it didn't work. Well, we are done with these analytics. We are going back to signing big defensemen who can't skate. <laughs> That's the Padres every year, basically. Yeah, I mean, so it does happen and that might happen with the Browns. But I think Dorsey is, is a good mind there. And they have so much cap room, so many high draft picks. Like if you're Kirk Cousins, you might not make the playoffs next year, but by all measures, you should be in a place like the Houston Astros or the Cubs. And or to your the, point, can you really pass teams? up that much? Well, let me ask you guys this when we come back. I have a Kirk Cousins financial question, a, a put yourself in the shoes of Kirk Cousins question involving the Vikings when we come back here. But first, a word for Luther Brookdale Toyota, which is, for my money anyways, the best car dealership and service department in the Twin Cities. One of the cool things about Luther Brookdale Toyota, if you have a vehicle that you're thinking about selling or if you just want to find out what the value is on that vehicle, go to LutherBrookdaleToyota.com and click on, there's a little button at the top of the uh, of the screen on the homepage called, it just says, We Buy. Uh, you click on it and you can find out information about how to bring your vehicle in. In fact, it's pretty easy. You don't even need an appointment. You just bring your vehicle in. Any make, any model. doesn't have to just be a Toyota. In as little as 15 minutes, a professional appraiser will give you a no-obligation offer, and uh, you can then decide, okay, um, do I want to use that offer as part of a trade-in for a new lease, a financing plan? Maybe you just want to know what the value of your vehicle is uh, via a trusted appraiser at a trusted dealership like Luther Brook uh, Brookdale Toyota, 694 on Brooklyn Boulevard, and LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Mackie and Judd now continue on 1500 ESPN. Join 1500 ESPN and the Rookie this Sunday at the 2018 Lake Home and Cabin Show from noon to 2 at the Minneapolis Convention Center. Now in its 14th year, the Lake Home and Cabin Show is Minnesota's only show that specializes in second homes and the second home lifestyle. If you own a lake home, cottage, or cabin, or you want to own one, this is a truly unique and focused event you will want to experience. Details at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. If you're listening to the show right now and you have access to a Twitter account or your email, our email is Mackie and Judd at 1500ESPN.com. Our Twitter handles are at Phil Mackie at 1500ESPN Judd. I just have a simple question. Like, I would love your response back to us in either one word or 280 characters or whatever you want. Are you sick of us talking about the Vikings quarterback situation? Because I think every time we get into it, there's always two or three people. We, we, you know, we want to cater to, we want to cater to our audience. But it's the most important position on the most popular team, 
and the Vikings have a chance to still still win a Super Bowl. Yeah, so it's, exactly. it's of high interest you're, to us. You're coming off a 13 and three season, and you don't <laughs> right. know who's going to start on opening day. In fact, there's a fighting chance that guy might not be on your roster. Sure. Well, he's not because there is no one on your roster right now. Well, but I'm saying like if you bring back saying. Teddy, but but the point being is how often do you actually have uh, conversations? After a season about a thirteen and three team that has no mm-hmm. real apparent idea right now who their quarterback's going to be. We're also very close to some movement on this potentially. In the I next mean, probably three or four weeks, there's going to be all kinds of answers. Uh, today is when you can start franchising quarterbacks or uh, anybody, and so that would mean that within until from now to March sixth, the Vikings have to decide whether they're going to franchise Case Keenum. There was one report that came out from Pro Football Weekly that they do not plan on doing that, but that's one report. Who knows? The guy who reported it has been right before on some stuff, um, but there there are all sorts of different speculation and reports. There's the transition tag. Uh, I think Jason Lockonfora floated that potential idea, which would save you a couple of dollars, but also open the door to another team offering Case Keenum a big long-term contract. There are so many different options here, but within the next couple of weeks, we'll find out at least whether they're going to franchise tag Keenum. If they do not, then I think that's the end of Case Keenum in Minnesota, and that will mean it's either Bridgewater and quarterback X, or it's going to be Kirk Cousins. Uh, so quick question, we're going to get to John and Andrew here, take their phone calls. If a crappy team like the Jets... This is the Kirk Cousins dilemma, I'm sure. I think it's going to come down to the Jets and the Vikings unless the Cardinals or Broncos can clear a lot more cap space, which I'm sure they could, but uh, they don't have nearly as much cap room. They'll figure it out. If a crappy team like the Jets offered you $90 million guaranteed and the Vikings offered you $60 million guaranteed, so if the Jets offered you like one more guaranteed year, how much would that sway you? But you can win a Super Bowl with the Vikings. The Jets are mostly a disaster for the last half century. It's 30 is the difference thirty million dollars? Um, but keep in mind, yeah. Unless you get hurt, if you're yeah. even fairly productive, you're probably going to earn. But you just said the key thing: if I get hurt, which can happen, I am a I am a jet in a heartbeat. I'll take the sixty million dollars. I'm a Viking. I want to win a Super Bowl. Mm. I am a jet and J E T S baby. If I'm being paid that much more, but like what can you do with ninety million that you can't do with sixty million in your life? That's where it gets hard for me. It's like, man, I think either one of those would be pretty fine. Right. But but you would have to truly believe that you could win the Super Bowl like within that time. Like you would have to be fully convinced because if yeah. it if you didn't, you'd be like, I left thirty million on the table for us to go nine and seven here's five your, times. Here's your problem though. If if you got those two offers it's going to instantly get out that you have those in hand, and if you pass, you are you are setting a terrible precedent. You are that you are then saying winning is more important than cash, and a lot of players are going to say, "Are you crazy?" Wait, so a second, but, like, think, but like, wouldn't you? But okay, but so if it's a thirty million, why would you be thinking about what other players want you to do when it's your personal life decision? Because a lot of times there's there's the your your representatives and agents will directly say to you, you have to do what's best financially and from a business standpoint. But you can choose whatever you want to do. It's, I understand it's, it's that, but I'm life. just but I'm just saying you would get you would get such pushback. That's a thirty million dollar difference. I don't see a guy passing up that much more. Uh, John, what's going on, man? You're on with Mackie and Judd. Hey, guys. I, I just moved here from Cleveland, and I wanted to tell you how refreshing it is to hear you guys talking about a winning football team whose <laughs> biggest issue is uh, I got a good quarterback and I got money to get a better quarterback. 
Yeah, that's uh, I, I, how about just a team that has won a game in the last year and a half too? That's <laughs> an upgrade for you. Well, John, I, I moved here from Buffalo, so I feel your pain, buddy. <laughs> La- last year, when I was covering all these wins, I was like, ah, what do I do? <laughs> yeah. Well, here's I guess here's my comment. Being from Cleveland, Josh McCown, you can say what you want about the guy, but he's a decent quarterback. Who you know, you bring Teddy back and have him behind him. Josh McCown has never had good receivers. But he's taken care of the football. He can get your team enough time to, you know, get Teddy back and get him healthy and see, you know, how good he actually is. And you can get him cheap so that, you know, you can retain all those other weapons and hang on to them long term, you know, until you can figure out, okay, Teddy, Teddy's not going to be our answer, you know. And that I, would, I would go Josh McCown before Kirk Cousins and shell out all that long-term money for a guy – who, you know, can't throw the ball farther than 15 yards down the field and, you know, accurately and know that somebody's going to catch it. So, John, uh, I think that thank you for the phone call and I'm sorry about those years in Cleveland. Um, I think that's that's they, definitely got on the, LeBron. They yeah. got Cavs. That's true. That's true. He got some rings. Let's, saw some rings. Let's take out the Lake Erie Monsters. They don't have anything to complain about. The Lake Erie Monsters, huh? Yeah. AHL team. Yeah. The power good hockey house. team. Yeah. I think they won a title like two years back. Uh, On his uh, point about Josh McCown, um, there have been some uh, not-so-great years from Josh McCown when teams have tried to make him their full-time starting quarterback, but he was quite good with the Jets, and he was quite good two years ago in 2015 with Cleveland where he had a 93 quarterback rating, 12 touchdowns, four picks, averaging over seven yards per attempt. I don't look at him as being like this complete loser backup quarterback who you couldn't play and I don't mean to say loser by like Sean Hill because Sean Hill was good at football he just couldn't play for more than a game and then his body would just break down because <laughs> the one gave it his arm McCown is a surprisingly great athlete and he showed last year that even though he's in his older years that he can still play the game pretty well. And if you look at his numbers versus Case Keenum numbers, it's kind of like the two guys looking in the mirror a little bit. Yeah. And if you were able to bring that in for one year, $8 million, and then with te- he'd be your insurance policy. Plus, he's worked with John Filippo in two different places. Yeah, uh, You can find Matthew Collar all over 1500ESPN.com and the Purple Podcast if you want more of this reckless speculation.